Welcome all you fine folks to episode 121 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. Uh, and uh, this is... I don't know what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know what to say. This is episode 121. I said that. I, well, that I'm reiterating. That's like the first thing I said. I'm reiterating. Mm. I'm filling dead air here. <laughs> we have a lot of that. We have a lot of dead air. It's because we're... It's because we're a horror podcast. It's because we're we're awkward. Dead air. Get it? <laughs> we're pudgy and awkward. <laughs> Pachoo, we're awkward. <laughs> You're awkward. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we're going to do the things that we do. You know, all that podcasting we're gonna talk stuff. Talk, 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 talk. <clears throat> talk about horror movies, right? It's going really well. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to be talking about two movies like we usually do and uh, do some horror business also like we usually do. This is not any better. <laughs> I'm like, all right, we're gonna, I'm going I'm to pick this up. We're going to get going. It's not happening. Um, no, so uh, how's it going, Taylor? How's it going well? Yeah? Yeah. What's new with you? Not much. Mm-hmm. Girlfriend's sister is in town. Mm-hmm. 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 How's that going? Yeah, it's fine so far. She's been here for three hours now. <laughs> Oh, she just got here. Yeah. Oh, I, I got the impression she she'd been here for a couple of days. Or no, something. she's got here this morning. Oh, okay. What's the occasion? Just cause? Yeah, just cause. Neat. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, um, anything exciting going on? Anything you want to talk about? Uh, new without a cause tomorrow. Hey, well, it already would have passed by now. Yeah. Well, tomorrow for real time. Yeah, for Facebook. Yeah, go to Without a Cause in Everett. Everett's so far. It is far. <laughs> exciting. Anything uh, Anything fun going on there? Any exciting matches? Uh, yeah. Effie from Tallahassee, Florida is going to be taking on Pitfall Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bambi Hall will be defending her 3-2-1 battle Solid Steel Championship. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is Solid Steel. Against Holodead. Holiday. Holiday. Yep. So is it like Hollywood or Holly, Holly, Holiday? I don't know. Okay. I think it's like Holiday because it's with an I. Got it. Sweet. Yeah. So check that out. Tickets available now. Yes. True. I assume, I assume you can buy them at the door too. Also true. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's see. Anything new? Uh, it was not horror so much, but Stan Lee died. Yeah, that was a bummer. I'm sure everybody and their mother heard about that by now, but fucking shit, man. Yeah. That's harsh. I mean, because... And it wasn't like, you know, he like fell ill or anything, at least not that we heard. It was just all of a sudden it was he was gone. Well, I feel like I remember in like the last six months or so hearing that uh, his health was declining. Nothing really more any specific than that, but, um, but, but I mean, he was in his 90s, 96, is that how old he was? 95, I think. 95? Um, so. But, I mean, from what I heard, like, at the, you know, the stinger for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 features him, and he's, like, sitting on a rock or something. Yeah. I've heard it's because he, like, had trouble standing. That, that would make sense. And uh, his, his cameo in Thor Ragnarok, he was sitting, too. Hmm. So, um. Yeah, I mean, and you know, he wasn't he wasn't making appearances anymore. 
Um, and there was this thing going on, I think it was like with his daughter or some kind of family issue where it was like, I think like APS was getting involved. Um, oh, the whole elder abuse thing? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, it's just a sad situation. And, you know, I think like there was like a, a GoFundMe starting up or like, I don't know, like this big public uprising. Just like we have to take care of Stan because <laughs> clearly his family's not doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that sucks. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a horror fan, uh, first and foremost, but you know, I, uh, I grew up with comics being a big part of my life and, um, you know, I kind of faded, it, it kind of went away from it as I got older, but, uh, um, right around the time my brother started getting sick and, uh, when he, uh, ultimately passed away. Um, I started getting more back into comics because my brother was a huge comic fan. Yeah. And, you know, growing up, I was a big DC guy and my brother was uh, really into Marvel. So he was m- much more familiar with all the Marvel uh, characters and lore than I was. Um, so I actually kind of like learned a lot from him about the characters themselves. Um, and so, and it, you know, for us to have that kind of connection, because we were two very different people. Um, I mean, you, you knew my brother, he, like we were very little alike at all. Um, but something that we always were able to talk about was comics. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of that is owed to Stan Lee and, you know, Jack Kirby and, um, um, shit, there's a third guy that started Marvel and, you know, all the, the, the really primary characters, uh, Fuck, I'm forgetting his name. But Stanley um, was also obviously the face of Marvel for so many years, and um, so yeah, a lot of that relationship I had with my brother, um, especially in the later years, were was a, a lot in thanks to Stanley. And so when he died, it's just like, it's like ugh, yeah, it's fucking heart wrenching. Yeah, I mean, it was just you just kind of. Thought he was gonna live forever. It really seemed he, that way. He really was one of those people that it was like you know you saw him on like Comic Book Man or something, and he was you know ninety one at the time, and he's like jumping up and sitting on counters and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. He still looks great. Yeah, it was like he was like the the male version of Betty White. It was like he was one of his characters, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you know, anybody that's seen Clerks, you know, his like uh, his little monologue to um, to Brody. You mean Mallrats? Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Um, where he basically says that he created all these characters based off of elements of his personality. It's like mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder if that was true. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I think the the Grave Plot podcast hearts go out to uh, everyone that loved Stan. So yeah, Excelsior. Yeah, one love. <laughs> Some things never change. <laughs> anyway, um, I feel like there was something else I wanted to talk about, but now I can't remember what it was. I don't know. Just a reminder that Great Plot Film Fest tickets are on sale. Yep. Head over to greatplotfilmfest.com and get yours. Four hours of uh, horror shorts from around the globe. Yeah. It's a hot ticket, guys. So get yours today. So do. <clears throat> Um, anything else? I don't think so. Okay. You want to do some horror business? 
Let's do. So is that just like your new catchphrase? My dad? No, so do. Oh. I mean, I just I started saying it a lot during the elections. So. <laughs> the Democratic vote for me is the right thing to do, Philadelphia. So do. <laughs> We've recorded since then, right? I I don't I don't know. Well, I mean, October I'm through my schedule, so out of whack. Right. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm still recovering from it. <laughs> and plus, I've been working on this video project like aggressively. I started over for the third time, and now I'm like nearing the finish line. I'm pretty excited about it, but that's been pretty all-consuming. Yeah. <laughs> um, like just, I mean, for this episode, I watched. Mo- like we, you know, we have the two two movies that we had to do for the show, and then we had a third for our upcoming Patreon video review, and I had to watch two of them this morning. Oh, we didn't thank Patreon. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I knew something was missing. <laughs> Well, every month, guys, we have a, a very elite crew who likes to who, who like to contribute money to this dog and pony show. I'm the dog. Taylor's the pony. That sounds about right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it helps us kind of you know afford the finer things in life. Actually, not, Patreon money didn't purchase any of this stuff. <laughs> I did, but it could. It could help. If we needed it, because I don't have a lot of money. I'm so poor. Help me, I'm poor. <laughs> anyway, those very special people are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you very much, all of you. Uh, we appreciate your uh, your funds. Uh, we like looking at it. We looking... <laughs> Because they're in our PayPal account, and we just look at it. And we're just like, yeah, we have that. <laughs> people love us. Sure. <laughs> so some people love us. Anyway, Taylor, if anyone else would like to help contribute to the show and make it even better than, than it is now, probably not. That's a tall task. <laughs> don't, don't promise things you can't do. <laughs> Uh, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for as little as $1. You can get exclusive content, including monthly video reviews, like the one we just put out for Invasion of the B-Girls. <laughs> and those uh, those all get picked by our Patreon patrons, so you can make us watch terrible movies like everyone else seems to enjoy doing. Yeah, and uh, you also get some little little treats when we, when we feel like it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, more money gets you more perks. Things like, uh, you know, exclusive content, early access to episodes, et cetera, et cetera. Up to $100 will get you a fat unicorn tattooed on my ass. <laughs> awesome. Uh, did we, did any of our tiers include like a, like a discount on film festival or anything like that? No. Could. <laughs> I mean, <yeah>. whatever. <laughs> Cool. Anyway, horror business. Yes, back to where we were. <laughs> Starting out with some real world horror. Um, you know, Google Maps is uh, probably the go to for most people nowadays to, you know, creep on people and 
I still use MapQuest. <laughs> I absolutely do not still use MapQuest. Is, it's like, is MapQuest still a thing? I think so. God, I was watching... Uh, fuck, what was it recently? Was it like Daddy's Home 2, maybe? <laughs> Talking about printing out MapQuest directions. It's like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, not only like do people still do that, but it's like people still have the capability of doing that. <laughs> I don't have a printer. <laughs> like, I, I have a printer, but I barely use it. Like, I, I often forget that I even have it. Um, but anyway, Google Maps, by and large, is the most popular, um, probably, not only, like, direction system, but, it, like, just to find addresses, you know, look up uh, uh, businesses and I'm doing an advertisement for Google Maps and... <laughs> Um, <laughs> for for all those people who don't know what Google Maps does, <laughs> yeah. it's in the name. But I mean, what my point is is like people around the globe have come to trust Google Maps. Sure, but can we trust them to not cover up the truth? The truth is out there. The truth is out there. But Google Maps might be hiding it. <laughs> Just ask David Duchovny. Yes, he knows. He does know. He knows the truth, and he's so handsome. <laughs> Just. Devish, devilishly, like he—he's he, got—he's uh, got that kind of look that like he's not that attractive, but some for some reason he is. <laughs> <laughs> but he like he he just he acts like he is. Sure, and the, yeah, and, just, and it's just the way he carries yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> confidence is so sexy. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, Nick Pope, the former head of the Ministry of Defense, which is in the UK. Why did you say it like that? The UK. UK. <laughs> from England. You sound like you're from London. London, <laughs> London town. Um, the Ministry of Defense is UK, or, uh, sorry, UFO program. They have a UFO program. Well, that's more than the US government's willing to admit. But they're not hiding anything. <laughs> uh, he appeared on Fox News. Oh, God. More like faux news. More like Fox News. Got him. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, to discuss an unexplained blind spot on Google Earth images. Remember when Google Earth was like a thing before Google Maps? Dude, every time I buy a new phone, I have to like disable Google Earth because I'm like, I don't know what the fuck this is for. <laughs> it's like it's redundant. It's so redundant. Like I'll just go to Google Maps and turn on satellite view. Exactly. Oh, that's Google Earth. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, the location in question is the Tonopah Test Range in Nevada. The area has not been updated in eight years. Which is crazy because those Google Maps cars are everywhere. Well, you know, it's like, you know, I often want to see the constant updating of a bunch of fucking desert. <laughs> because I'm sure the, the topography changes constantly. It could. <laughs> there could be aliens changing the, the, the land. Well, I mean, is there anything significant about the Tonopa Test Range in Nevada? Not that I know of. Maybe, maybe read the, the oh, last yeah. line there. <laughs> What's intriguing? <laughs> There's something intriguing. Now that you ask, thank you, Taylor. <laughs> it just occurred to me. <laughs> what is intriguing about this scenario is the fact that the test range is located 70 miles away from Area 51. Wait a minute. 70 miles is a long way. <laughs> it's not close. It's far. That's like me driving back and forth. Wait, no. 
it'd be like me driving here and back home to like th- yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that that <laughs> it's not far or it's not close that's 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 like over an hour maybe yeah, two, like two hours this would be more of a story if it was area 51 <laughs> or yeah if it was like right next to it or something or like down the street yeah or down the road that rad uh but i mean there could be any number of things government wise going on out there they could be testing like you know top secret nuclear weapons <laughs> nuclear weapons uh you know fighter jets um Maybe there, maybe there's like a government-funded weed operation out there. Who knows? It could be anything. It's like don't just immediately go to aliens because that is absurd. Not saying it's aliens, but, but it, it might be aliens. Aliens, probably aliens. I gotta spike my hair up. <laughs> aliens. Yeah, look crazy. Um. Anyway. Yeah. This is this is nothing. No, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Like, why don't you worry about conspiracy theories in your own country, Mr. Pope? Yeah, idiot. Or is it Popey? Because I don't know how British people pronounce things. I think it's Pope. Pope. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that was a whole bunch of nothing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> More like real world borer. Got him. Wait, got us? Yeah, you got us so hard. <laughs> So Rick Grimes, or Grimy, as he likes to be called, <laughs> is no longer on The Walking Dead. Uh, he's not dead. Yeah, nice waffle, AMC. Yeah, he waffled harder than Ego. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> on fire. <laughs> um, incineration. <laughs> but don't worry, Grimy fans, or Grimers. Sure. Um, <laughs> As they like to be called. <laughs> Grimeheads. According to Scott Gimple, the story of Rick will go on in films. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, he said this to The Hollywood Reporter, and he continued, right now we're working on three, but there's flexibility in that. I don't know if that means more or less. I hope less. Like, does that mean like we'll make one, and if it really sucks, we won't make any more? <laughs> he said, over the next several years, we're going to be doing specials, new series are quite a possibility, high quality digital content, and then some content that defies description. What does that mean? They're going to implant it right into your brain. <laughs> content that defies what? What does that mean? What are you speculating, Gimple? Like, Literally, what content could defy description at this point? Yeah, like like content usually comes with a description; otherwise, it doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like we're going to inject content into your blood. We're going to actually turn you into zombies so you can live the Walking Dead. That'd be fucked up. That would be fucked up. Do you hear about the? Uh, like he's like a governor elect or something that blames all the mass shootings on zombie TV shows. Yeah. Idiot. 
Uh, Gimple continued saying, we're starting with the first part of the continuing story of Rick Grimes, and there's much more on the way featuring yet unseen worlds of The Walking Dead and faces from the show's past, as well as new characters we hope to become favorites, told by TWD veterans and emerging voices. Can we just not? Yeah, seriously, like, yeah, can we not? (laughs) Because Fear the Walking Dead, I I I don't care. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't, like, I, I I have not bothered to watch that movie, or that show, like, in years, and, I like, I, we've talked before, I haven't watched any of this season, like. I've, I've heard it's actually gotten better since Rick left. Yeah. Which like, I can totally get, because they were getting way too dependent on Rick. Well, sure, but I saw, like, somebody report, uh. I don't know, maybe it was bloody disgusting or something, that The Walking Dead didn't lose viewers in the first episode since Rick was gone, and they are marking that as a success. <laughs> like, yeah, I I don't know. It's The more you expand and all this, you're, you're just diluting the product. Yeah. And it's like, you know, how many different The Walking Dead shows can people watch before they just get burnt out? Yeah. Um it's, yeah, it, it, it's cannibalizing your business. That's, yeah. Um, and uh, it's like, um, okay, let's compare this to like the CW uh, superhero universe. You know, you've got Green Arrow, you've got The Flash, you've got Supergirl, and you've got The Legends of Tomorrow. They're all superhero shows. They're all in a connected universe, but they're all different shows. Different characters, different uh, heroes with different powers and abilities. It's like it's not the same show. Whereas The Walking Dead, it's people in a post-apocalyptic, zombie apocalyptic world. Yeah. And that's it. I mean, when they first announced Fear the Walking Dead, we joked on this show that it was going to be like The Walking Dead in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. It's really like, what else can you do? You know, it's oh, it's The Walking Dead New York. It's The Walking Dead Columbus, Ohio. It's The yeah. Walking Dead Tuscaloosa. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> and it's like, you know, The Walking Dead itself self started in Kentucky and then moved to Georgia. And like I don't think they're even in Georgia anymore. I think they're in DC now. Are they? Yeah. So, it's like And like The Fear of the Walking Dead started in LA. And then I think they went to Mexico. They went on a boat. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, they went on a boat. And I think they went down to Mexico. They went down uh, Mexico way. <laughs> yep. Um, and then uh, I, I honestly I don't know where they went from there, but they're I don't, they're not in L.A. anymore. So it's just like you know I've got these these migrating packs of people, nomads, if you will, um, and they're 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 covering all these big, big areas. So even if you were to plot a different group in a different area of the country, it's like you're running out of space. <laughs> Well, then you go global. I don't want that. Walking, walking Dead, Bangkok. <laughs> I don't want. Th- I don't want it. It's coming. You know it's coming. I mean, they can do Walking Dead Miami, but only if Dick yeah! Cassidy's in it. <laughs> Cassidy, Carradine. No, Cassidy. Cassidy. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't David Carradine the guy from Kung Fu? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who hung himself in his fucking closet. Jerking off? Yeah. What a way to go. Yeah. Especially if somebody finds you. 
Uh, Gimple continued. <laughs> we don't want to see people doing the same thing with the same motivations or people with the same lives. It needs to be differentiated from each other in the types of stories they're telling, themes, and the tones we're exploring. Oh, so he thinks he's doing the exact opposite of what we just said he is doing. Yeah, he said a variety of locations is absolutely critical to this. So you you want to not do the same thing in different locations? But what else can you do? There's nothing. Yeah. It's going to be the same show. He's full of shit. Like even Romero's movies were pretty much the same movie in different locations. <laughs> it's like, you know, AMC, uh, you know, when, when Walking Dead premiered or you know when it came out they were a powerhouse they had a bunch of shows that were just kicking ass mm-hmm. i mean they had this they breaking had bad, breaking bad mad men mad men um um shit what was that other show helen helen wheels is that was that on uh amc sons of anarchy no that's fx that's fx maybe it was hell on wheels regardless a bunch of bunch of shows that were just kicking ass um, and now they're down to one. I mean, like, does, do they even have any shows that are like big blockbusters? I like couldn't they tell were? you what else they had. Yeah. And you know, in that time, people started moving away from cable. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big part of why The Walking Dead is struggling now. Yeah. Um. And so they don't have like a streaming site or a streaming app or anything, do they? Um, they do. Yeah, but yeah, you have to sign be signed up for cable. Yeah, that's what that's what I mean. They don't have like a like a CBS All Access or something that, Not that you I'm can exclusively stream. You know what what's fucked up, and there are several channels that do this now. You know when on demand first came out, uh, you could stream or you could you know play TV shows without commercials. Then they started adding the commercials back in because these fucking uh, uh, networks were losing money hand over fist because nobody wanted to watch live TV. They wanted to watch something at their leisure without commercials. Yeah. But now channels like AMC are saying, hey, if you pay us an extra five bucks a month, we'll give you all access without commercials like you had 10 years ago. <laughs> the only thing that gets me, and this is completely off topic, but it's like every network is coming out with their own separate streaming service now. You know, you've got HBO Go and you've got Showtime On Demand and you've got the CBS All Access and so it's like, hey, yeah, cut cords. So you don't have to pay $100 a month for cable. And then you pay $10 a month for 13 different apps. Mm-hmm. Suddenly you're paying more to cut cord than you ever did for cable. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I, I, pay, for, I pay for Amazon Prime, which you know, comes with Prime Video. Um, and then I have like a handful of different channels. They're like premium cable channels like Stars, Cinemax, and Showtime. They're like 10 bucks a month. But it's like I'd rather not pay Comcast for it because there's going to come a time where they're going to start charging me more for those channels mm-hmm. or, you know, making me buy them in packages. Yep. You know, it's like I've got to buy like six channels in a package just to get the one channel I want to watch. Yep. Anyway. I'm just glad I don't have Dish because that's a fucking nightmare. My dad texted me yesterday or not yesterday, the day before, and he's like, uh, it's like, hey, did you, did your El Rey network get replaced by Sci-Fi? Like, no. Why? It's like, oh, it must be a Dish thing. And I looked it up, and it's like, yeah, Dish is in another fucking dispute with Univision and El Rey. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and it's like, I can understand Dish's 
platform, it's like, okay, yeah, we want to keep our price limited to our customers. And this is completely off topic, but uh, as opposed to Comcast saying, hey, we'll charge our customers whatever we want because they're, they'll pay it. But Dish, like, it's like they're not, like, as far as I know, they're not, like, um, prorating what people pay when they drop channels. Oh, I'm sure they're not. But it's, like, just fucking stupid. Anyway. Anyway, so there's three Walking Dead movies coming, apparently, so uh, deal with it. Yeah, apparently they're going to be new and exciting in a world that's literally dying. In a world? Yeah, whatever. So this is exciting, and I am frankly jealous. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, on kind of on the heels, and not not related, but on the heels of uh, Never Hike Alone. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, go check it out. Um, but uh, there is a new fan film uh, being worked on that is going to cons- uh, be a unofficial sequel to uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Six. Jason Lives, which is, of course, my favorite one of the series. Um, it's going to be called Friday the 13th Vengeance. It's being billed as a 30 years later sequel to Friday the 13th Part 6. And probably the most impressive part of this whole thing is that the guy that played Jason in Part 6, C.J. Graham, is coming back to play Jason again in this film. Um, also set to come back is, uh, part two's, uh, Jason, Steve Dash. I'm not really sure who he's going to be playing, but unless they're both playing Jason, cause two people played Jason in part two. So <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but so among horror, uh, well, horror fans, but namely Friday the 13th fans is, uh, that's popular is the untold story of Elias Voorhees, who's Jason's father. Um, there's been no official story about him, but like a lot of like uh, things that like he was like a abusive father um, or that Pamela was crazy and kicked him out, which, you know, obviously what well, she was crazy. But, well, yeah. Um, and so he was just never really involved in Jason's life. And apparently like, I don't know. I don't remember if this is a rumor or if it was actually like a real thing, but there's an un unseen scene from part six where Elias was shown uh, mourning over Jason's grave. Uh, I'm looking at the IMDb for this right now. Uh, CJ Graham is playing Elias. Really? Yep. Interesting. So Steve Dash is playing a sheriff. Oh, okay. So they're just going to have a whole new Jason then. Uh, Jason Brooks is playing Jason. Not familiar. Speaking of never, wa- uh, never hike alone. The director played Jason. Yeah, I did not know that. I think I might do a review on that. I don't um, know if it's going to be on our blog or maybe a video review. I'm not sure. Decide later. Cool. Anyway, looks um, like this guy was in another Friday the Thirteenth fan film as Jason. So that must have been where they picked him up from. 
Hmm, okay. Um, the story begins with Elias Voorhees, Jason's father, returning to Crystal Lake and a string of mi- grisly murders that soon follows his arrival. After hearing the news of the most recent killings, Tommy Jarvis then goes missing, which leads it up to his daughter Angelica Jarvis to rise to the challenge of not only finding her father, but also finding a way to destroy old nemes- his old nemesis Jason Voorhees in the process. Armed with knowledge never previously known about Jason, Angelica may prove to be his greatest threat yet, which culminates in an epic showdown of Jarvis versus Voorhees. Which is what we all wanted. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of into this. Oh, I'm super into this. Um, and these these guys are from Seattle, right? Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah, like, we should get them on the show. Definitely. Let's do it. And CJ Graham's going to be at Crypticon. Yeah, he is. I'm, I'm so stoked about that. I already had... Uh, you going to have him sign a mask? Probably the same one Tom Matthew signed. Nice. I don't see the point in making a whole new mask. It's just the same mask. <laughs> yeah. But it's like Tom Matthew signed it like right on the forehead, like right where I'd probably have CJ Graham sign it. <laughs> It, it was funny because Tom Matthews wrote, what, like, Jason Belongs in Hell? Yeah. It'd be funny if CJ Graham was like, hey, fuck you, Tom. <laughs> um, yeah, since it's presumably going to be filmed here, could we see Jason in the snow? Let's go stalk him. <laughs> Let's go find him. Just just barge in. Um, Just, like, walk through the background. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, what am I doing? What's going on here? <laughs> just in our great plot podcast shirts. Just <laughs> um But I mean, yeah, so like I said, pr- presumably it's presumably it's gonna be filmed here or you know, probably in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. So could we maybe see Jason in the snow? Possible. I mean it does snow here. Not very often. It does in the mountains. In the mountains, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be that'd be dope. Pretty excited. They're uh, they're currently kickstarting. They are already over their goal. They had a twenty five thousand dollar goal. Uh, they're currently sitting, as of this recording, at thirty three thousand four hundred fifty nine dollars. So they're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll post the link in the uh, in the show notes if anybody wants to go drop them a couple shekels. Yeah. I I'm sure, I assume they have probably stretch goals. I assume. Any any. Uh, campaign worth their salt does. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, so this is directed by Jeremy Brown, but also consulting on the film is going to be Tom McLaughlin, who directed Part Six. Yeah. So they've got some some na- some heavy hitters, uh, in in the Friday Thirteenth universe, uh, on board. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Like Taylor said, we'll have the link in our show notes. So go check it out. On the road again Just can't wait to get on the road again The life I love is making music with my friends And I can't wait to get on the road again On the road again Alright, so we briefly mentioned George Romero earlier uh, And we've talked before about his unmade film That he was apparently working on at when he died Called Road of the Dead Which sounded so... So bad. It sounds like Ben Hur with zombies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, cars. Sure. Yeah. It was basically uh, zombies would drive cars for the entertainment of humans. So it's kind of like death race with zombies. <laughs> uh, well, apparently, it's going to be made. 
into a comic book. Uh, allegedly, his his DP, I think, is still making it into a movie. Wasn't Casey? <laughs> what, C- Cody? Cameron. What? Cameron. Why can't I remember that? Cameron Romero. He was involved or something, right? I think he might have been a writer. Hmm. Anyway. Uh. Anyways. Well, yeah. Uh, Matt Berman is apparently still making this movie, but as I said, it's also being turned into a comic book. Uh, Road of the Dead takes place six years after Land of the Dead, set on an island where zombie prisoners race cars in a modern-day coliseum for the entertainment of wealthy humans. This doesn't make sense, because the zombies in Land of the Dead became intelligent. Let's put aside the fact that that's idiotic. They became intelligent, so you would assume six years later they'd continue continue to get more intelligent. Yeah. Right? I mean... Because they took over a, a, a quarantined or, you know, walled off human town. So you'd think, you know, it can only they, go up they, from there. Yeah, they, they resisted. They revolted. They fought back against the system. But somehow six years later, they managed to become re-enslaved, turned into car racers for humans? Yes. This, no, this is dumb. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Uh, in the darkest days of the zombie apocalypse, the last safe place on Earth is anything but, as a mad despot uses the spectacle of high-octane carnage to keep control of his populace. What? <laughs> what? I don't even understand what I just read. Darkest days of the zombie apocalypse, last safe place on Earth is anything but, as a mad despot uses the spectacle of high-octane carnage to keep control That sounds like a whole separate subplot that wasn't mentioned earlier. I mean, it kind of sounds like a Mad Max movie or something. And it makes me think of uh, Dennis Hopper in Land of the Dead when he was, like, controlling and lording over everything. Sure, yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like that, like this, these zombie races are, like, a way of life. Like, that's, like, the main entertainment for these humans. But, I, I don't know. It's stupid. Yeah, well, this comic book is actually, it's going to be a prequel to Road of the Dead. It's coming from IDW. Uh, it's called Road of the Dead, colon, Highway to Hell. It's a three-issue miniseries written by New York Times bestselling author Jonathan Mayberry uh, with insane interior art by Drew Moss. The shocking series acts as an over-the-top prequel to Romero's final zombie film and expands upon the horrific mythology. Uh, here's a quote from somebody. It's going to be a pass for me, dog. <laughs> it's going to be no for me, dog. Uh, the storyline has legions of deadheads feasting on the living as a young female scientist holds the secret to a possible cure for the savage pandemic. Oh, now there's a cure. Great. Uh, I bet she doesn't get it since it, this is a prequel. Probably not. <laughs> uh, on the run for her life, famished zombie, fam, famished zombies, famished zombies. That's a thing I just read. Um, guys, zombies don't get famished. They They don't get tired. They don't get hungry well i guess they, they're kind of always hungry but but not because like not they're not hungry in the way that you and i are hungry right they just eat because that's what their brain is telling them to do yeah um anyways uh, not like digesting things <laughs> loony looters <laughs> oh god and ruthless biker gangs hit the road to try and stop this savior <laughs> while lovable losers in muscle cars and a hijacked abrams tank risk everything to save her 
is this, this sounds like a parody. This doesn't sound like a homage. It sounds a little like Walking Dead, too. A um, little bit, yeah. Be, which is funny, because Romero hated R- Romero was very dead. critical of Walking Dead. Which was so dumb. <laughs> He's, yeah. I don't like to speak ill of the dead, but he was kind of an asshole. I feel like Nicotero was just like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm trying so hard to honor you, and you're shitting all over it. Anyway, uh, if you want this, then buy it. I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to tell you where to get it, because I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, in comic book stores. Eventually. Now. Is it now? Says says Road of the Dead. Road of, Road of the Dead oh, Highway thought, to Hell is in comic stores now. I thought that was the next story no you fool no yep yep go buy it now if you want to or don't i'm not your dad (laughs) not your real dad (laughs) so taylor did you think that the awful Ghostbusters remake, reboot, whatever it was. Uh, did you think that ruined the legacy of the originals? No. No? No. Did you think it damaged it at all? I think it damaged the Ghostbusters name. I, okay, I guess that's more or less what I meant. Not necessarily the, the old movies themselves, but the potential of the series being worth a shit like anymore. Um, no, not necessarily in hindsight, because, because Dan Aykroyd said Paul Fig isn't allowed on the Sony lot anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah. So when that movie came out and it was as bad as a lot of people were expecting, um, it, uh, it really soured a lot of people to just Ghostbusters in general. Um, but nevertheless, Dan Aykroyd persisted. <laughs> um, he uh, was on Axis TV. Axis TV is the big interview with Dan Rather. Dan Rather's on Axis TV now? How oh, the mighty have fallen. Oh, shit. Um, where he, uh, despite his nosedive career, <laughs> is saying, hey, we may get the gang back together. Wink, wink. Don't do it. (laughs) So, I mean, we've all heard before the rumors about Ghostbusters 3, um, whether it involves the original crew or, like, the next generation of Ghostbusters. Um, And, you know, we read, we both read the what turned out to be just a fanfic about this new generation with... uh, with uh, Bill Murray being, or with Bankman being a ghost, and you know his his and Dana's son or uh, Oscar um, being like a new Ghostbuster, that whole thing that turned out to not be official, right? Right. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so yeah, so Aykroyd was on this show with Dan. Then there, there was another, there, I remember at one point Aykroyd was talking about, there was, I don't know if there was ever a script or if it was just a dumb idea he had about like the Ghostbusters going to hell. And there was right. Like, 
interdimensional leaps and all kinds of weird bullshit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know there's a comic book series because there was, there was a series of comics where it's like the original like Ghostbusters from the movies. But then there's also a comic book series where it's the real Ghostbusters from the cartoon show from the late 80s, early 90s. And then there was like this crossover where where like it, through some kind of interdimensional rift the two the two universes kind of came together. So I never never read it but the concept seemed interesting enough. But that's comics. That's not film. Yeah. Anyway, uh let's see. Let me get back on point here. So, yeah, so Akrod was on the show Dan rather saying there's a possibility of a reunion with three remaining Ghostbusters. Is that a good Chicago accent? It's not great, Bob. <laughs> I'll stop it now. Um, he said, it's being written right now. What percentage do you give that of being true? I mean, being written, what does that mean? Like, I, I, I put the title on a piece of paper. <laughs> I got a few napkins. Is he writing it? I hope not. Me too. I mean, he so he wrote the original, and he wrote with Ramus, with Ramus, with Ramus. That's the important part. Uh, and you know, he wrote um, uh, Blues Brothers, so he had it in him back in the day. Yeah, it's like I just don't trust him anymore, especially after he was so gung ho about the Paul Feig movie. Uh and then yeah, he kept telling us how great it was. And these women are the funniest women in the world. And and then when it fucking it didn't tank, it made a good amount of money. But the public backlash about it, he suddenly backpedaled on it. And he's like, oh, well, it wasn't that good. And I blame Paul Feig for that. So, well, yeah, he says that Paul Feig went way over budget. Yeah. But, you know, it what made me lose my faith in Dan Aykroyd is him seeing how willing he was to cash in on the Ghostbusters name just to make money. Yeah. Like something legacy, something attached, something attached to Harold Ramis's legacy. He was just willing to sell that off to Sony of all fucking studios. Um, I mean, granted the original came through Columbia, but Columbia wasn't Sony back then. Um, you look perplexed. I'm looking at his IMDb page under writer credits, and it's oh, it's all characters. That's why it's all Ghostbusters. <laughs> pathetic. But it's like short films and video games, and well, actually, okay, it's not pathetic. He's he's mostly an actor, but still. But they're all like based on characters. By it's not like he actually wrote anything for it. Right, right. Um. But so he says the story's being written right now, and he says I think Billy will come. The story's so good, even if he plays a ghost. Billy, of course, being Bill Murray. Yeah, who has said time and time again that he will not do another Ghostbusters movie. Yeah. He also said he wouldn't be in the remake, and he was. Right. I don't know how much I believe him. Yeah, so he might be kind of a sellout, too. His his one thing was always, I'll be in it if I can be a ghost. Right. right. That was the, the original script was, you know, he died in the first scene and was kind of this, like, you know, Lion King ghost hovering over Oscar's head, (laughs) speaking out of the clouds. Uh, The original script, which... Yeah, I mean, so yeah, the original script was to star Dana 
and Peter Venkman's love child, Oscar, a post-grad student who is forced to take over the business after his father dies in the first scene. Why would he take over the business? If anybody ran the business, it was uh, Ray and Egon. Yeah. Venkman was just kind of there. Or Lewis and Janine. Sure. But Miranda. They were like the behind the scenes people, kind of. He was the, he was their lawyer and she was like their receptionist, probably slash no, he wasn't he their accountant? Yeah, but remember in Ghostbusters two he went to night school, so he got a oh, lot of three. Um let's see. Uh, Murray's character was to be a ghost in the third film, which allegedly allegedly had been greenlit up until Harold Harold Ramis got sick and eventually passed away. Um, so this just really sounds like a cash grab. What gets me is it's like they're saying, you know, it's being written right now, but they had a script that was greenlit that Ramis liked. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they going back to that if they want to make another one? Why are they rewriting a new one? And who's writing it? And why why would they why would they do this? You've got because they put so much fucking time, effort, and especially money into this giant Ghostbusters cinematic universe. Mm, yeah. And they're going to make their nut back come hell or high water. Yeah. Sony is not known for giving up. Because they're still talking about making the animated movie. That's still supposed to happen. Who knows if that uh, Chris Pratt and Channing Tatum one is ever going to happen. Probably not. It might. Who knows? They might force that. Although Pratt might be too big for it now. I mean, who knows? Sony's got the money to throw at him. And I mean, who knows if Guardians of the Galaxy is going anywhere from here now? That's true. (laughs) It's like he's, he seems like he like personally is on so many people's shit list too because of what Star-Lord did (laughs) in in, uh, Infinity War. God, misdirected anger. Fictional characters. Exactly. Anyway, but no, I I have very little remaining respect for Dan Aykroyd because of just how he's demonstrated. How, like I said, he's just willing to sell off the rights to the movie who put a lot of these guys, well, not, not so much put them on the map, but really kind of sp- springboarded them through the, the 80s um, and uh, just sell it off to, to make money. And that he seems... That really seems to be his only interest in it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have greenlit this fucking Paul Feig movie. Yeah. Because that was bad. It's doo-doo pie. And I mean, you know, he's he's probably out there like, oh, you're not interested in Ghostbusters? How about Blues Brothers? You want a Blues Brothers? You want a Blues Brothers 2018? <laughs> well, he that? did that. I know. With Blues Brothers 2000, after, after um, fucking Belushi died. Yeah. It's like, how are you going to make another Blues Brothers movie after Belushi dies? Fuck you, man. It's because he's, he's like uh, David Spade. Like he was, he was not a primary character. He was a secondary character to other funny people. Yeah. He's like, what about Coneheads? You want a Coneheads? New, new Coneheads movie? I don't care. Here, here, make it. Just <laughs> write me a check. Whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm expised like us too. Sure. Why not? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Without Chevy Chase. Because <laughs> Chevy Chase would never fucking do it. No. He's another guy who's got his nose up his own ass. Yes. Anyway, this is just bad idea. 
Bad idea jeans. All over. Um, just don't make it. Don't make Green Ghostbusters <laughs> three. Let let it die. Let it rest in in peace. You've already tarnished it. Just l- let it go. Yes. Ramus is somewhere right now, looking down, going, "What the fuck are you doing? Like, please, please, just just stop." <laughs> Freaking me out, man. All right, so... Uh, you are freaking out, man. man. <laughs> so in a couple minutes here, we're going to talk about the <clears throat> latest bad robot film, Overlord. But before that, we've got some news on future bad robot features. Bad robot. Bad robot. Robot. Uh, apparently, they have slated a number of new films, two of which are going to be horror movies. A third of which is apparently going to be Clerks for a New Generation. Um, uh, uh. But one of them is called The Steps. It's written by stand-up comedian Blair Butler. So, you know. Okay. Uh, it's based on an idea by Stefan Grube or Stefan Grube. Or Gruby. Gruber. Hans Gruber. <laughs> it's probably Hans Gruber. Yep. Stefan Hans Gruber. <laughs> Uh, who was the editor on 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, Groob is also going to direct the film. It's being described as a twist on a possession story. What? What, what a twist. twist. What twist? How do you twist a possession? Turns out everyone else is possessed. <laughs> <laughs> like that Twilight Zone one where you find out everybody's deformed. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, The one person you think is possessed? Actually, the only normal one. <laughs> so stupid. The, the other film is yet unnamed. It's being described as a female-driven allegory. Uh, this one is being written by Megan Amram, who is a writer for The Good Place, Silicon Valley, Parks and Rec, and The Simpsons. Oh, so she'll fit right in with horror. And what's to do with all these comedy people doing horror? I... It's because of... Uh, of Jordan Peele and... Uh, and uh, um, yep, him. Danny McBride. Oh, yeah. I was talking about uh, the creep guy. Oh. Pete, yeah. Pete from the league. Mark Duplass. Mark Duplass. Yeah. Or Duplass, however you pronounce it. Duplass. I don't think I've ever heard him say it. So double, double ass. Double. <laughs> um, um, but no, I, th- I think because of... Well, you know, get out. Sure. But I think because Halloween uh, became such a hit, even though it wasn't all that great, um, hot take. Um, but yeah, because of uh, David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride being involved, I think just a lot of you're going to see a lot more comedy people involved in horror. My question, I mean, like the thing with those films was that they were those people's ideas you know it was jordan peele made get out and he took it to blumhouse and mark duplass and um stephen bryce i think his name was sounds right they like creep was their baby Mm -hmm. 
I'm wondering if that's the situation here or if it was like, hey, we want to make this movie. Would you like to write? I mean, I, I would guess that was what happened. The latter? Yeah. And that's what makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of demonstrated that, uh, well, actually, you know what? Now I'm thinking about it. Because as far as the Cloverfield universe that Bad Robot seems to be building, um, it all they're doing is just taking like movies that not necessarily have been made, have been made, but scripts that have been written and repurposing them to fit into the Cloverfield universe. Well, on that subject, Bad Robot has also acquired quote a high school set thriller from writer Ed Hemming. If you ask me, that's your next Cloverfield movie. Cloverfield High. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, couldn't all of these potentially be Cloverfield movies? I mean, really? I'm, it's Bad Robot. Anything could be a fucking Cloverfield movie. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the point. That's the way they designed it. People were convinced that A Quiet Place was a Cloverfield movie, even though it wasn't a Bad Robot movie. <laughs> That's what they've done. Yeah, and there's a, another podcast that actually they don't do it so much anymore, but they would joke that like every movie that didn't really make sense which was, was a Cloverfield movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, it's like they're not really tied together in any way. No. I mean, Cloverfield Paradox, they at least sucked the monster in there. Yeah. 10 Cloverfield Lane had nothing to do with Cloverfield. No. But. Anyway. Anyway, Bad Robot is doing things. Doing things. JJ. Thanks. Abrams. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, that's enough horror business. That is enough. Quite enough. Uh, cool. So f- where do we go from here, Taylor? We go to film reviews. Film reviews, film reviews, film reviews. Yep. Two brand new movies that just came out. One well, in theaters. One's well, not, one's not brand new. It just came out, though. Yeah. One we've been anticipating for what seems like fucking forever. Yeah, pretty much since we started this goddamn podcast. Uh, it, I I would say it hasn't been that long, but it probably has. <laughs> um. Anyway, which one do you want to start with, Taylor? I mean, we've been waiting this long. Let's uh, let's talk about the Expendables of Horror, Death House. The Death House, established in 1954 under the Eisenhower administration, serves as a federal maximum security prison, medical, psychological, and parapsychological research center. Agent Novak, meet your fellow graduate, Agent Toria Boone. Welcome to Death House. Does it live up to what you study? Ask me again in 12 hours. Some are dosed with just LSD, while others are subjected to electroshock, sensory deprivation, all to break down the subject's personality. They've got some surprises waiting for you and your girl here. Our goal is to eradicate evil. This is our end game. Did Sieg ever mention Death House to you? Ever any talk of the five evils? I know this house is insane. 
And I know that you have to be careful. Don't you have something special lined up to kill everybody inside this hellhole? Tell me you're both armed. What about the five evils? You know something. I know everything, Novak. Red We gotta find a way up. I am immortal. We need to get out of here. I have no idea the atrocities you committed. I will follow you to hell. The way out is not that way. It's down to them. So Taylor, so on a scale of one to ten, how disappointed were you with this? Oh, we're going straight to this, huh? <laughs> yep. Um, so much. <laughs> like more than ten. <laughs> um, I mean, like you're going to describe the movie, right? Yeah. Okay. Good fucking luck. <laughs> oh, oh, I see where you're going <laughs> with that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to. <laughs> um. Yeah. <laughs> so is, you know, I said the it's the Expendables of horror. Uh, apparently, that is it's 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 a marketing ploy entirely. Oh, it absolutely is, and uh, it has next to nothing to do with like anything Expendables related. Yeah, and I, even Kane Hodder, when we saw him at Crypticon last year, two years ago, uh, he expressed a strong dislike in that term. Yeah. Because the Expendables, like every action star in the Expendables is somewhat of a major character. Mm-hmm. In this one, it's like, oh, that's so-and-so. Oh, that's it. They never come back again. Yeah, bye. Yeah, like <laughs> like Tiffany Shepis is in this for half a second. She does not even have a character name. Yep. That's how minimal her role was. <sighs> so, but this was written by, well, it's written by uh, B. Harrison Smith off a story from Gunnar Hansen, who, of course, was Leatherface. Yeah, the original Leatherface, uh, who passed... Look at me, I'm Leatherface! Who passed away. He did say that all all the time. He was known for it. And it's like, dude, that was decades ago. (laughs) Can you imagine if if we saw him at Crypticon or something? He was like, could you say, look at me, I'm Leatherface? (laughs) He'd be like, my character never said that. Yeah, I know, but it'd be funny. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, Seth Green would have done it. <laughs> Maybe. I think if we did that, Seth Green would be like, what? <laughs> How disappointed would Seth Green be if that was, like, if you told him that was your favorite character of his? <laughs> Even though he played a character on Buffy for, like, seven <laughs> or nine years or something like that? Yeah, you're just like, I fucking love you in Idle Hands. <laughs> Oh, so I'm just looking at the IMDb here. The first credit is for Adrian Barbeau as the narrator. Mm-hmm. 
Do you recall a narrator at any point in this movie? It was when they were taking the virtual tour. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, so. Movie opens up with Tony Todd. Which is cool. Yeah, but what the fuck does he have to do with anything? Nothing. He's got this girl, and he starts pumping this black viscous liquid out of this uh, pump. Spigot. Spigot, water pump, whatever it is. Is it blood? I don't think so. I mean, it looked black. But then when he started, like, like, fingering her belly, it looked like blood. Yeah, he did, like, that old, like, uh, you know, uh, witch doctor thing, the the trick that people used to, like, scam people out of money. Yeah, like Man Uh, on the Moon. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, a miracle, like, just a a cure-all. They reach inside. They take, like, a bunch of bloody chicken guts in their hand, reach, like, and start... Poking you. poking you in your stomach, make you think they're they're pulling out like cancer or just bad juju or whatever. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, he does that to her. Don't he know tells, why. Then he tells her he's taking her to the farm. Yeah, it's like okay. The fam. <laughs> the fucking fam. Fam festival. Um. What is this farm? I it's like okay farm. All right, I'm with it. And then like jumping ahead, he's got at the very end of the movie, he's got this other girl. And he's just like, welcome to the farm. That's a terrible Tony Todd. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't do Tony Todd. No one can No one can recreate Tony Todd. Guy's a fucking legend. It's true. But he's like, welcome to the farm. And I'm like, what is this farm? <laughs> it's like, I just watched the whole movie and I still don't know what the farm is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So then it jumps to uh, this bunker. Um, where Kane Hodder, who is, uh, what's his name? Sieg. Yeah. As in Sieg Heil. Clever. Because he's a Nazi. Yep. Um, he's in this bunker with these, with this woman and her kid and, and another woman who's armed and like is her like helper or his helper or something. Yeah. Played by Courtney Palm right. of Zombieverse fame. Is that what she's from? Mm-hmm. Okay. She looked familiar, but I can't think of why. She was oh was she in um uh Silent Night too? I think so, yeah. As I remember. I'm pretty sure she was. Okay. Okay. Anyway, um and uh he tries to feed them what cyanide capsules, I assume. Um and when they don't when they refuse to take them, he has uh this girl pop them both in the head. Then she reveals herself to be an agent. What kind of agent? <laughs> of something. We don't know. A secret agent. <laughs> yeah, they. she's a special agent of one sort or another. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, I knew all along. I knew you. But I just made you shoot that lady. Gotcha. So how about that? <laughs> Jump ahead to an indeterminate amount of time. And Sieg is being transported to the death house. They've named a prison the death house. <laughs> I feel like the Justice Department might take issue with that. And it's one of several death houses. Right? <laughs> Come to find out. Uh, was this like they did like an aerial shot? Was that Eastern State? I don't know. It looked like it. And it's I mean, it's. uh the the above ground part of it is laid out the same. It's got like a central hub and a bunch of branches that spring off of it. I can't imagine that's a very common 
layout. We were actually watching, a, my, my wife and I were watching a documentary on Eastern State not too long ago, and apparently that actually became a pretty popular prison format. Right? Oh, really? A, a layout, just because of how well it worked. You know, minimal staff with maximum uh, oversight. Anyway. Um, where Where is Eastern State? Philly. Okay, then probably. Because it says that this was filmed in Philly and L.A. So okay, I mean, I saw at the end of the, or the end of the credits that they're thinking like the state of Pennsylvania or something like that. But anyway, um, yeah. So she's sitting in the car, and Sieg like gives her this dirty look or whatever, and then she goes in, and she's greeted by um, Doctor Eileen Fletcher. Thank you. Um, and played uh, by D. Wallace. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much oh, like I'd say, aside from a few here and there, almost everybody in this movie is played by a familiar horror face. Like, like literally, every, almost everyone in the film has some kind of horror claim to fame. Yeah. Um, except for the two main stars. Well, except for uh, what's her face, Courtney Palm. Thank you. When the names aren't right in front of me, I can't. <laughs> um, fuck. So the, she goes into the prison. She meets up with uh, uh, Agent... Um, help me out here. Uh, Why are these the, the two top credits of, in this fucking movie? Um, um, I want to say Falcone, but I don't think that's right. Novak. Novak. Agent Novak, who's also a very special agent. So special. Um, he, uh, they meet up and they're talking with Dr. Fletcher and just kind of getting briefed on this prison, which has nine layers, uh, like hell. No, I got it. <laughs> it wasn't exactly covert. Right. Yeah. And the bottom, uh, the bottom level contains the five evils. So just like the worst of the worst, like hell. Yeah. Uh, the five evils are um, played by uh, Lindsay Hartley, uh, Bill Mosley, Michael Berryman, Michael Berryman, um, Vernon Wells, and uh, there was one other guy. I don't, I didn't recognize him from anything. And I can't... Vincent Ward. What was his character's name? Uh, File. Right. I didn't recognize him, but I have to assume he's been in other things. Uh, he was on The Walking Dead. Okay. <laughs> um. So they they get uh, introduced to a handful of different prisoners, namely like the th- the three Satans, <laughs> played by one one played by Sean Whalen. Fucking love Sean Whalen, man. For some reason, like <laughs> he's Satan. He, he is Satan. Yeah. Then Bill Oberst Jr. Is the creator of Satan. Right. And then you've got the little Satan. <laughs> uh, Satan Jr. Right. Uh, I don't know who he, who that guy was. I don't either. Uh, but he claimed to be the son of Satan. So he basically got the, 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 the grandpa Satan, the daddy Satan, and the baby Satan. Yep. I love that. Uh, oh, they by this time they've met the other doctor. Uh, Dr. Redmayne, played by Babs. Babs. Love Babs. She, honestly, she was the best part of this movie, I thought. 
not saying much. Um, well, I mean, just it's, I mean, as far as acting, but also just the way she uh, conveyed her character. Yeah, she she seemed to be the most competent. But when she's like introducing him to the three Satans, she's like, "You want you want to go say hi? I love these guys." <laughs> um, but yeah, Doctor Redmayne is. Uh, she seems to be the one that uh, is working on a program to re- like rehabilitate these criminals. Um, and these are the worst of the worst. Like this death house is where the worst criminals in the world, presumably go to die basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically they by rehabilitate. They want to scrub their brain of all these evil deeds that they've done mm-hmm. and then try and implant new moralities. Right. Yeah. And just basically recode them as humans. Yeah. Um, transhuman and then for some reason uh novak and uh what's what's her character's name i can't even remember um boone boone okay so agent novak and agent boone they go on these virtual tours through the prison yeah that's you know kind of jumping ahead but it kind of spans the whole movie you don't really know if they're in virtual reality or if these things are actually happening at any point in this movie yeah because there's a lot of like, so, you find out Boone, because she uh, shot two innocent people in the line of duty, she she got some kind of reward. Yeah. Her reward was being able to kill her mother's killer. Yeah. In cold blood. <laughs> um, who was played by Danny Trejo. So, he was... Yeah. So, a guy we know well, a face we all recognize in the movie for 30 seconds. Yep. And she, like, because it's clearly some kind of digital reconstruction of her home because they're, they're reenacting her mother's rape and murder. Um, like, you're not really sure if she actually killed him or not, but she did. She shot him right then and there. Yeah. Like, in, inside of prison walls. Yeah. Apparently, we're in a world where that kind of thing flies. <laughs> and it was... Like I said, it was it was known as her her uh, honor reward. Yeah, for killing innocent people. <laughs> yeah, and then you find out that Novak was like in ISIS or something. He looked he some kind of terrorist to, group. Yeah, some kind of terrorist, and he's like decapitating people. Yeah, he gets an honor kill for that or an honor reward. Yeah, and what? Oh, he wanted to go see the the killer that killed his. Oh, his brother was put away for murder or something but it was actually somebody it was it was actually sid uh Haig who actually killed people with icicles right he was the icicle killer i love it's that not just a clever name his quote-unquote cell is this like virtual room where he's in the middle of a field and there's these people having a picnic in their underwear and he just like sits there and stabs them over and over again <laughs> Which is a weird thing because they're not digital constructions. They're real people. But apparently this prison brings in home like homeless people and fogs like just fogs them over with uh, milk of amnesia, which is like this drug that just essentially makes them That's actually the most clever thing in the movie. <laughs> uh just it, like it wipes their memory and makes them just able to walking comatose yeah but they can like be coded to play a character yeah 
Um, and so they basically just rack up these victims for these murderers to kill to keep them sated. Yeah, and that part we learned through, there's these three doctors. Uh, one of them is played by Richard Spate Jr., who looked really familiar, but I can't think of he what played, he was from. He played Gabriel in Supernatural. That's, That's how I know him. But uh, another one of these doctors is Felissa Rose. Right. The other one's Lauren uh, Compton, who was in Clown Town, which I think we watched, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, she, I mean, she looked really familiar. I thought so, too, but I... Had... But then I looked her up, and it's like, okay, well, Clown Town. I that mean, was the only thing I recognized. Um, yeah, all the stuff about, like, the honor rewards and stuff, we learned that from this very long exposition scene where Novak and Boone are showering next to each other. Yeah, they had a long, hard day of virtual reality tour, so they had to go go clean off. And notice that neither of them were actually showering. I was going to say, neither of them ever used soap. Yeah. Like, they just sit there and kind of like hold their hands under the water and let the water drip over them. And they just rub the water on themselves. Yeah. just But the same spots like over and over. <laughs> and talk about how they don't remember getting their tattoos. Right. Yeah, which is probably like the most interesting part of their characters. Like the fact that they both seem to realize that they don't remember their lives past a certain point. Yeah, and that doesn't... I mean, it kind of gets explained, but not fully. Yeah, it's kind of left pretty vague. Yeah. It, this movie is left with the the presumption that they are going to make a sequel. Hmm. We'll see if that ever happens. Um, yeah, so, so, okay, basically, uh, this kid in what looks like a Nazi uniform Attacks a guard that's walking the perimeter, cuts him open, and then puts something inside of his cav, like his chest cavity. Yeah. He brings him in to be operated. The, the guards bring him in to be operated on by Doctor Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> Seriously, they. This is the fucking kitchen sink of horror movie or of a horror. Well, can you call this a horror movie? Sure. Really? Yeah. Just because it has horror actors. I mean, there's plenty of gore in it. Plenty. Is that, that yeah? We'll get into that later. Um so they bring this guard in and And I mean this is Lloyd Kaufman, like full on Lloyd Kaufman. Oh yeah, he's like, Oh, what's going on here? It's like if this guy was my doctor, I would ask for another doctor. <laughs> it's like I love your work, but get the fuck away from me. <laughs> it's like this guy has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> Like, don't take off his shirt. It's the only thing holding him together. <laughs> what? And then he just like shoves his hands into his chest. It's like, oh, I got it. And just rips it out. Yeah, this was like a death. That's not what a doctor would do. It's like a total trauma scene. But yeah, he, he reaches in this hole that's been cut in this guy's stomach uh, and pulls out the thing that the kid put inside. He finds out, hey, it's an EMP emitter. Yeah. Which wipes out power through the entire prison. Um, and, you know, there's like... People are saying, it's like, well, what the fuck happened? Isn't this like maximum security? It's like, yeah, we're prepared for attacks from the outside. <laughs> um, So naturally, that, that wipes out all the power. It wipes out the suppression system that was in place. Basically, they've been um, fogging these guys with some kind of... It's milk of amnesia, right? That's what they've been running through the pipes. 
it's some kind of gas. I don't know if it's a gas form of it or something, but yeah, it's it's some kind of gas that it, keeps them docile. Yeah, it keeps them kind of, you know, not unconscious, just, yeah, I mean, docile, yeah. Um, but the, so the, the flow of that stops. <clears throat> but they have, they have this doomsday scenario where if something like this were to happen and all of the uh, prisoners were to escape, they would just hit this gas and it would be you know a more extreme version and it would just kill all the prisoners except for the five evils because they apparently have built up an immunity because they're getting gas constantly right the gas is actually pretty interesting in that the way it works is it's not a poison so much it basically shuts off your immune system so the bacteria in your own body literally eats you alive yeah (laughs) um I just don't think it would work as quickly as oh it, no <laughs> like like anywhere near as quickly because there are people out there like living in bubbles that don't have immune systems and they don't have immunities. they don't have immunities <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so yeah all the power is knocked out of the pa- in the prison and naturally what's connected to the power all of the cell doors. So the prisoners start running the prison. They just run out and just start murdering everyone immediately. They just beat these guards to death. None of which is on screen. No, 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 no. In this Expendables of Horror, which is just, yes, like it's supposed to be like like 99% practical effects. This Expendables of Horror and just like the most intense horror movie. Well, maybe not that. I'm probably making that up, but. You you expect some pretty savage gore in this movie, but all of that was completely off screen. Yeah, like they're beating these guys to death with the butts of their own rifles, and you don't even see it. Dude, Larry Zerner is in this. Yeah, he is as Shelley. Right, <laughs> Shelley the prop man. Um. So yeah, so all the prisoners are out. Sieg is out. Um and. He kicks the shit out of R.A. Mihelhoff, um, who was another Leatherface. And, uh, oh, we didn't talk about Leather Lace. Oh, Leather Lace, yeah. Played a, by Debbie Rashawn. Although you wouldn't know it because you never see her face. Yeah, that's like she, the only point that she's in the movie is through like a video clip where she's wearing a human skin mask. Yeah. And that's it. And she's one of the prisoners. Right. But you don't actually see her as one of the prisoners. You only see what brought her to... I guess you do. You see her in the tank thing. They're trying to brainwash her, and they keep showing her this video hologram of her father, who is Gunnar Hansen. Right. Um. Yeah, and so yeah, Sieg kicks the shit out of the guy that is like basically running like this prison gang, um, and starts leading everybody to kill. He's he's trying to get down to the ninth level because. You got look like you got something on your mind. Yeah, this this scene where the two of them square off, like uh, Sieg is just like, "Hey, everybody, listen to me!" And then he gets shot, falls off the balcony that he's standing on, and then uh, Hasselhoff and another guy. <laughs> what? How, how do you say it? I think it's Mihailov. Mihailov. Him and this other guy come out, and he like r- reaches into Kane Hodder's stomach and rips out something some body part and then it looks like intestines okay it just looked like a handful of chicken guts to me but um 
And then Kane Hodder just like gets up and is just like, hey, surprise. Fuck, fuck you. Yeah, he's like, anybody and else want to try? he rips his face off. <laughs> he just grabs him by the, by the nose and just rips his entire face, skull and all. I don't think off. it works that way. It absolutely does not, unless you're Kane Hodder. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but. <laughs> um, but there's no explanation as to why he didn't die. None. None whatsoever. Which is a lot of this movie. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Sieg is now running this this crew of criminals, like the worst of the worst criminals, um, hunting down these two agents, namely Boone, but also to get down to the ninth level because apparently Sieg and the two agents think that the only way that they can get out of this prison is to go down because for some reason the five evils know how to get out, even though they haven't. Yeah. <laughs> Did you understand that? No, Did I didn't understand most of what was happening. No, this, okay. I mean, that, that, that's the plot. It's basically just a, a cat and mouse thing. they get down there thing. and Bill Mosley monologues about God for like 10 minutes. Right. And I and love when it makes any sense. I love when Sieg, who is a Nazi or neo Nazi, whatever, gets down there and Bill Mosley or uh, what's his name? Uh, um, I don't know. Fuck. I just had Geiger. Geiger. Geiger, who is also a Nazi. Yeah, he was like Hitler's number two or something. Which doesn't make any sense because he's been there. He he would he would be like ninety years old. Yeah. Like, well, he, but they're immortal. Like the five evils are immortal. But that doesn't make sense. That, I don't know why, but they are. Like suddenly, this movie is supernatural. Yeah, and then like even see when he gets to the bottom, he goes, "I've been following you guys. I've been studying you. I'm immortal now." I'm like, "No, that doesn't. You can't. You just you can't just turn immortal." Yeah, I just <laughs> unless he's the Highlander. <laughs> yeah, but there can only be one. There can only be one, and there's at least six. <laughs> um. But yeah, like I, I love when he gets down there and like I said, Bill Mosley, or not Bill Mosley, but Geiger, who is a Nazi, says that Sieg disgusts him. <laughs> like, maybe you forgot who you were, bud. <laughs> yeah. You are also a Nazi. And then there's like, uh, I think it was, was it Thine? Was that his name? File. File. Um, he uh, killed something like 700 children. Yeah. It's pretty... He's, he must have been very busy. <laughs> um, and yeah, just if I could, Michael Berryman's like this uh, bio weapon. Like he's yep. been he's been genetically modified. To, <laughs> just and then uh, oh, there's one um, Bathoria was that her name? Balthoria. Yeah. Balthoria. Uh, she's basically like. Elizabeth Bathory. She just bleeds virgins and bathes in their blood. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, okay. So, that, I mean, that's the plot of the movie. Yeah. Sort of. I mean, like, this movie made no fucking sense. It's all over the place. Uh, it's the most disjointed shit that I've ever seen. Yep. Uh, I kept... Like I, I went into this with like the most rose-colored glasses that I could possibly have, and I walked out just being like so fucking disappointed. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I felt like it was Green Inferno all over again. 
a movie that was just so hyped for so long, and then when it finally came out, it was just a huge fucking disappointment. Yeah, but this is worse than Green Inferno. <laughs> yeah, Green Inferno at least made sense. It wasn't a good movie. No, like Green Inferno was was fine. It wasn't nearly as good as it was made out to be. And, yeah. You know, it wasn't worth the wait of how long it took to make the fucking thing. But this is not fine. <laughs> this, this is a this was a bad movie. It's not. It's it's so scattered. There's so many different things. They just keep adding more and more story, and you're just like, wait, w- why is this happening now? Yeah, and it's like this suffered from the thing that I was worried about with um, Infinity War, where you've got so many characters that need screen time and just not being able to give enough time to each of them. Yeah. Now, Infinity War did that in spades. Like, it was great. They gave just the perfect amount of screen time to everyone where it didn't feel like you were missing out on anything. This... Sid Haig was on screen for five minutes. Tony Todd was on screen for maybe a total of like two minutes. Um, Tiffany Sheppis was in the movie for 30 seconds. If that. Um, in a non-speaking role. Yeah. R.A. Mayeloff in the movie for two minutes. <laughs> Just, I can, I respect the, the, uh, the goal of getting this just all-star crew of horror icons in a movie, but this was overdone. There was too many of them. I can't believe that many of them read this script and agreed to make it. Right. <laughs> um, like like I said, the story is just super jumbled. It's just a mess. Um, and then there's like sci-fi level bad CGI. Oh, point so bad. Where it's such an obvious green screen and like the whole environment is just superimposed in there's like regularly they're going up and down this elevator shaft that goes down like it's a subterranean prison for the most part with nine levels that aren't necessarily stacked on top of each other like you'd find in a building think of like a resident evil movie the original um with the hive the hive laboratory where it's underground you know several hundred feet underground and that's just to get to the top floor then the bottom, like the subsequent floors, they're not stacked on top of each other like a like an office building. <laughs> there are layers in between them. Yeah, and they go sliding down this elevator shaft by hand, like it's like oh, I'll wrap a piece of t-shirt around my hand and I'll be fine. And they are. Yeah, it's they're like, traveling, God knows how fast, and they're shooting at whatever. Yeah, just, like uh, Novak is just like she's she's like we're just gonna free fall and he's like just fall and shoot. I'm like. What are they what? shooting at? Yeah. And like, it, I guess there's like people sticking their head through the elevator doors or something, but it, it, by all appearances, they're just shooting randomly. Yeah. And yeah, they're just falling and into just a, into sliding. A, I just love that they're shooting into like this steel lined shaft. Yeah. Those bullets would be bouncing back and forth yeah. and probably murdering them. Yeah. It's like they need to shoot like at eye level or above. Otherwise, that thing's going to fucking ricochet into them. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they you, you don't see them land. No. But when they do, they're absolutely fine. No, yeah. no broken ankles or even like a bruise on their heel. It's just like a, huh. <laughs> yeah. Um. It. I mean, it, it's it's hard to even talk about what was bad about this because it was so 
all over the place. Uh, it just, just all of it, all of it was bad. Yeah. Like, I, I kept hoping that something would happen that would tie everything together and I could understand, but it just, the more the movie went on, I just got more and more confused and I kept waiting for things to get solved. The kid in the Nazi uniform, fuck was he? Where did he come from? Where did he go? I mean, I just kind of assumed that he either, worked, but you know, later in the movie, maybe he worked for Geiger. I don't know. Yeah. And where did he go? He just disappeared after that. It was like, what was the point of that kid? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean like this, the story was ridiculous. Like it didn't make any sense. Yeah. And like I said, you don't know what is virtual reality and what's happening in real time. Yeah. And, you know, aside from the, the people that have been doing this on like a, um, on like a, a, like the people that have been acting for many years in like high profile roles like D Wallace, like Barbara Camp Crampton. Um, well, maybe not high high profile is probably not the right word, but just the veterans, I guess. People that have been doing this a long time, they kind of shine as g- the good actors, but the supporting cast. And yeah, I'm putting those two special agents that we follow through the entire movie as a supporting cast. <laughs> um, they were not good. No. Um, I feel like, though, Novak was better than I expected just because I looked at him and I was like, this guy's a fucking male model or something. He's going to be terrible. But he was better than I expected. I had low expectations. But. Sure, yeah. Um, but, I mean, there there were even, like, like, D. Wallace is capable of more. Yeah. Like, I in a cast like this, I kind of rely on her to elevate everyone else and she didn't (laughs) um it's almost like she played down to their level um i mean but you know and and barbara or you know babs she did great like i I thought her character was good like i said um i mean she's a treasure she's just a gem she's a delight (laughs) um and, you know, Kane Hunter did great. Yeah. His character was probably the most fleshed out one of the bunch. <laughs> um, Other than the whole thing where he just turned immortal. And that's, that's right. why he got his stomach ripped out and could still just walk around. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that happens like in the middle of the movie and it goes completely unexplained until the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody seems to wonder why it happened either. It's no, like, everyone's just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It's like, wait, how are you? St- how are you alive? Yeah. And his shirt is just bloody and doesn't have a hole in it. Right. Like, he did get shot. Yeah. His clothes aren't immortal, <laughs> right. I, I presume. I mean, they're just standard prison-issued <laughs> scrubs. Yeah. Anyway. Um, where are we at here? 34 minutes. That seems long enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't really know what else to talk about because none of it made any fucking sense. And it was so scattered. It's like, you... It, you know, if you just boil down the plot and just think about it in the simplest terms, just be like, oh, it's, you know, it's more or less Dante's Inferno in a prison. I guess, yeah. And you're, well, I mean, you know, nine layers of hell as a prison. It's an allegory. And you're like, okay, that sounds pretty cool. 
And then they just kept adding stuff to it, and they just put more and more and if that's ridiculousness. Who if they were going for Inferno, they missed the mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, another thing. my Probably my biggest technical complaint. The Almost the entire movie is lit by flashlights. Oh, yeah. There's no stage lighting. Or, you know, to provide, like, some ambient light so you can actually see these sets. Um, Like, I don't know if they filmed it inside an actual prison or what, but um, you can't see fuck all in this movie, which I think probably helped when they were not showing the gore that I was hoping for on screen. The scene with the Inside Out people was pretty good gore. That was good, but honestly, that was, like, the only thing. Yeah, I feel like they blew their wad there. Yeah, and like even uh, even when they were shooting people, like they weren't even using real squibs. It was all CGI blood spatter, or at least it looked like it. If if it wasn't, then I don't know if that, I don't know if that necessarily means they were bad squibs or or what. I don't know how to read that, but if they were real, then it didn't look real. Yeah. Um. Just just, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> Anyway, um, so what do you say? I mean, given the cast and it's, you know, the underlying basic idea I feel could have been executed well, I'm going to give it a three. Yeah. I mean, this, yeah, considering the cast, considering it was, uh, rewritten. So even like I'm not saying it was, but even if Gunnar Hansen's version was bad or like inconsistent or or whatever, the fact that it was rewritten would make you think that it would be at least like made more uh, more con- like given more continuity. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't. And it's you know written and directed by the same guy. So usually there's you know that usually makes a movie tighter because you know that they're not deviating from the what the writer had in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all that considered uh, on the fact that it just didn't deliver on anything, story, gore, acting, none of that was, was delivered. Uh, I think I, I, I got to give it a two. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to think, can I do a three? I just, I can't do it. It's it's just not good. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, from there, let's move on. Um, I guess thin tie if both movies kind of have Nazis in them, but. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bad Robots World War II zombie feature Overlord. Ago, I was cutting grass in my front yard. And the mailman shows up with a letter from the army. Now I'm here. No idea where I'm gonna end up. Look up! Here we go! 
Welcome to France. What happened here? Some questions don't have good answers. There's a lot of soldiers out there, and there's only four of us. Find out what's inside that compound. So, Overlord, uh, it's the day before D-Day, right before the storming of the beach in Normandy, and we meet this uh, paratrooper group. That's not the word. What? What's the word? Uh, di- division? division? Battalion? No, battalion. Like, I don't know the, the grouping terms. Squad? Shh, let's go squad. Wikipedia says squad. All right. Let's, let's do squad then. Squad goals. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're being sent in to destroy this Nazi radio tower because the planes that are coming in for the storming at Normandy, uh, they can't communicate as long as this tower is up. Right. And the tower is on top of a church because Nazis are vile. They actually say that. Yeah. <laughs> and so... You know, the the squad, they got to be as vile as, as the Nazis. Led by Sergeant Bokeem Woodbine. <laughs> he was great. <laughs> yeah, I wish he was in it longer. <laughs> Me too. Uh, it's, well, no, it happens really early on. It's, it's, he gets shot. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of times. Yeah, their, their um, plane gets shot down. And so they, they end up missing their target, but not really by much. Yeah, I mean, they naturally a lot of their, their squad gets killed. Like either they burn up or their parachutes don't open or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, when they when they finally touch down, there's it's really only one guy at first that is still alive, or so you think. Who Boyce? Yeah, Boyce. That was the name I couldn't remember. Uh, yeah. So they make the jump. And yeah, Boyce is, is our main character. <clears throat> and yes, he's we kind of follow him, and he lands and he's looking around for other people. And he's that's when he sees the the corporal get shot. Sergeant, 
Oh, right. Forbes yeah. Corporal. Yeah. Uh, Wyatt Russell. Yeah. Played Who? by, yeah, I mean, not played by, he is Kurt Russell's kid. <laughs> he's not Kurt Russell's kid. He just plays one on TV. <laughs> There's one scene like at the end where he's, he, you see him, he's looking through these bars of his fence and I'm, it's dead ringer for Kurt Russell. Oh, I saw like several things like that throughout the movie. Not yeah. not just the uh, his facial expressions, but like the way he was acting. Mm, yeah. Like the way he kind of carried himself and the way he delivered his lines. I usually do not like him. I thought he was great in this. I, I liked him in this. Um, I thought he was pretty funny in 22 Jump Street. I still haven't seen 22. Oh, okay. See, that's the first movie I saw him in. And that's just kind of thing. Huh? He was in the thing. He was? Yeah. Was that before 22 Jump Street? I think so. Let me investigate. Well, it's either way, it's the first movie I registered him in. (laughs) Okay. Um, And so I just had this image of him as being like kind of a joke in my head. And I had a hard time taking him seriously. The first thing I saw him on was Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, that was that's after Twenty Two Jump Street. Well, I haven't seen Twenty Two Jump Street. What I'm saying is, <laughs> he was in Escape from L.A. Um, he was in This Is Forty. Oh, okay, I kind of remember him in that. Uh, he's in Arrested Development. He was. One of the, like, uh, season four. So anyway. Yes, 20 uh, Jump Street was first. He plays Corporal Ford. And he, him and Boyce are still alive. He, you know, he comes up on Boyce. When Boyce is about to, like, charge into these, I don't know, half a dozen or more he Nazis. thing. You're lying. Are you sure? I'm looking at his IMDb. I it's not he was in the remake of the thing. Or the re- whatever the fuck it is. Prequel. Thing. Prequel remake thing. Premake. Precock. Precum. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Anyway. So yeah, uh Boyce is about to like run in and try and save the the sergeant from these, you know, half a dozen or more Nazis who all have guns pointed at him, which pretty much would have just been a death sentence for mm-hmm. Boyce and the sergeant. But Ford comes and he stops him and he says, you know, the the Sarge wasn't the mission. We gotta go take down that tower. Uh, Ford is a wep- or a explosives expert. Yeah. Who was just brought in at the last minute to this. And Boyce, like right off the bat, you get a sense of uh, like um, hesitance. Like he has no interest in being there. And you find out he is actually a, a, a draftee. Is that it? Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, I mean, he was drafted into the war. So he, he actually says at one point, it's like three months ago, I was mowing my lawn. And then this guy from the army shows up with a letter. Or no, it was a postman showed up with a letter from the army. And now I'm here. And now I'm here, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so they touch down in France. And uh, they run into uh, Tibbet, who, is he a sniper? That's what I, yeah, that's the impression I got. Okay, yeah, they never, I don't feel like they ever explicitly said it, but you definitely get the impression that he's a sniper. Mm -hmm. Uh, As well as Chase, who is a photographer. He's not even a soldier. Right. And he's one of the last remaining guys from the squad. Um, oh, and Dawson. And so they're walking through the jungle, heading towards this village. 
The jungle. The French jungle. The, yeah, you know, the French jungle. <laughs> or le jungle. <laughs> As they call it. Um, <laughs> and they run into this woman named Chloe, who is, is she a thief, right? Or she stole something. Or... She was just, she's she's just scavenging. Oh, that's right. She was just scavenging. She didn't actually steal it. But she leads them to her house and says, you know, they can they can hold up here from the Nazis, but they come every night and they do these sweeps. And she's like, you know, you're you're not safe here, but you can stay. And they're like, well, we just need a couple hours because we got to take down this tower by 0600 hours. Yeah, I mean, obviously their plan has been shot to shit. There are four of them left, and they're, one of them's not even a soldier, like a, like a fully trained soldier. Right. So it's just like, we just need a place to lay low so we can kind of figure out what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they're holed up in this attic. <clears throat> and... uh uh, at one point, Boyce or uh, Tibbet and Chase go off somewhere. Yeah, um, just to do some kind of recon or something. Yeah, just get a lay of the land or something like that. And then Boyce goes to find them, and this Nazi vehicle goes by. Somehow doesn't see him, even though he's standing in the middle of the road right when the headlights hit him. But you know, suspension of belief. Sure. But it's like full of dead bodies, and he jumps in the back, and they take him into this into this church. And while he's in there, he's starts seeing that there's this lab down there, and they're doing all these weird experiments. And he ends up finding another one of their cohorts, um, cohorts, uh, Rosenfeld. That's right. Who's just he's got all kinds of things sticking in him, and. He's clearly being experimented on. Mm-hmm. Which never becomes a thing. I was just anticipating the, the through the entire movie that he was going to like turn and just like start fighting against them or like turn into some monster. Yeah. And he never did. So it's just like kind of anticlimactic that way. Yeah. But then Boyce also steals this um, syringe full of some kind of red orangish liquid. It's, yeah. It's, uh, uh, what's it called? Tang. Yes. Just a syringe full of Just tang. Just a syringe full of tang. And then he... Uh... <laughs> what? Fucking <laughs> tang. <laughs> like, yeah, it's totally tang. Whatever. <laughs> That's astronauts, not army soldiers. They can drink it, too. <laughs> I drink it. Why can't army guys drink it? Actually, I don't drink it. I haven't drank it since I was a kid. But I could. I could drink it. <laughs> You watch me drink it. I don't want to watch you drink it. Why would I want to watch you drink Tang? I'll, you just watch. I'll drink it. He's going to live stream himself drinking Tang. <laughs> just to prove something to Taylor. <laughs> we like that Kermit meme, but with Tang. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, boys, takes this this uh, syringe, and him and Rosenfeld just escape pretty much got free <laughs> they, they just escape from a nazi base whatever yeah rosenfeld can barely walk but they just kind of walk out the front door and no big uh they, they get back to the attic and while they're up there this nazi captain i think you is the title he has he comes in and he's basically like hey chloe remember our agreement where you fuck me 
<laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And get nothing in return. Yeah, that we need that needs to happen right now. Time, time to pay up. And she's like, nah. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> and he's like, uh, no, we have an agreement. It's like you, you no, you, you have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> because I said so. <laughs> but then so Boyce sneaks down and knocks him out. And uh Yeah, like uh fucking Ford was just like, No, don't just stay out of it. It's like just let her get raped so we can get over this over with. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> but Boyce is like, No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm I'm a good dude. I gotta stand up for this woman that I just <laughs> met two minutes ago. <laughs> but he so he comes down and he like hits him with the butt of his gun and they tie him up. And uh, at one point, <clears throat> he gets free, and he shoots Chase. And so Boyce takes the the serum because I guess he saw what happened in the lab, or just decided, "Eh, why not? <laughs> Couldn't hurt. He's already dead." <laughs> just jabs it into Chase's chest. Chase wakes up and he's like, "I feel great," and he just starts like poking the gun wound. He's like, oh, "This doesn't even doesn't even hurt." Yeah, this must not be as bad as it looks. But then he just turns into a CGI monster and breaks his own neck for some reason. That was intense. That was intense, but it was also not very good CGI. I mean, I've seen better. Yeah. and that, that, I've also seen worse. Sure. Death House. <laughs> it's all full circle. But yes, so for, for a movie brought to you by the guy who loves CGI, <laughs> you'd think it'd be a little better. The entire movie, the CGI was not up to par. Yeah. Well, because they overdid it. Like, when you're doing faces, especially with CGI, it's, the technology's not there. Yeah. Just, like, it, it was not as bad. Let's like, it's not like Scorpion King bad. <laughs> right. But it's, like, not, like, other bad robot good. <laughs> yes. Um. So... Yeah, so they've determined this serum brings people back to life, but turns them into monsters. Right. Or zombies, essentially. But it's not... These aren't your George Romero zombies. These are kind of more 28 Days Later zombies, except they're much more cognitive. They still have all their you know, speaking abilities and thoughts and what have yous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this Nazi captain, he escapes, and he ends up stealing... Or kidnapping. You don't steal people. Yeah. <laughs> he ends up kidnapping uh, Chloe's little brother, Paul. 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 <laughs> that's, that's how the French say it. Right. That's, that's, fr- that's French pronunciation. Read a book. Yeah. You just say it. Paul. It's, it's almost Paul. I mean, it's almost Paul, but it's also almost pool. It's definitely not Paul. Right. <laughs> But so uh, Ford is like, sorry, fuck that kid. Pool in French is piscine. Piscine in the pool. (laughs) No piscine in the pool. But yeah, Ford's like, sorry, we got a job to do. That kid's fucked. (laughs) Tough shit. Because Ford is like, he's he's very, he's all business. And he doesn't care what kind of collateral damage happens as long as he gets his job done. It's all all mission to him. Love and war, man. Sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't care if Chloe gets, like, raped or he doesn't care if Paul gets murdered. It's 
whatever. We got to take down that tower. That's mm-hmm. all we got to do. And then we're going home and these people can just suffer. Yeah. Because, you know, he, Ford is thinking about not not just their mission. He's thinking about the entire invasion of Normandy. Yeah. <laughs> Which is f- fair. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like sometimes you got to break a couple eggs. Yeah. <laughs> but so they get into the church by force. Um, apparently Rosenfeld is able to work this two-man gun by himself. Right. Yeah, for what a bitch he was at the very beginning of the movie, he turned into a very effective soldier, yeah. especially after he was being experimented on. Yeah, he could barely walk, and then all of a sudden he's just like, all right, let's he's take down some Rambo. fucking Nazis. <laughs> and, I mean, inside the lab, you know, you get a little more of the zombie story, and, uh, you know, there's some big fight scenes and stuff, and then, you know, the movie's over. Yep. Um, I don't really think this was a horror movie. It is not a horror movie. And I... It really marketed itself as one. It did. I mean, it makes you think that there's a lot more zombie action than there is. Yep. But there's really not. And I mean, there's... There's kind of like one. Even the, the zombie action is not like zombies feasting on people. It's more or less just a guy and a zombie having a fist fight. Yeah. And, like, you know, zombies chasing people and then, you know, beating them to death. It's, like, it's not like they, yeah, it's like you said earlier. It's not like they're Romero zombies where they're trying to eat you. They're just just going to catch you and beat you to death. Yeah, and shooting them in the head does nothing. Right. Um. So, I mean, it was a good war movie. Yeah. It's a good movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. But yeah, you know, even tonally, it's not a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's definitely just a action war movie that happens to have zombie soldiers in it. Mm-hmm. And not even that many. Yeah. Like like three. Yeah. There's like one that like actually does something. And then there's like two or three more that just kind of are there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that was a little disappointing. But like I said, it's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, like as a film, it's yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I mean, good acting, good. Uh, I mean, the cast was good. Uh, it was shot well. Aside from some lackluster CGI, it was you know the the, the overall look was good. Um, and you know, I'm I'm always I'm not big on war movies. They just don't really do it for me. Um, but I'm always impressed, especially with World War II movies, how they can. Whether it's a set or an actual like a location shot, how they can make it look, period, like uh, that always yeah, impresses that's me. True, especially when they can make something look like a World War Two era French village that's just been ravaged by Nazis, you mm-hmm. know. Um. So, but I mean, you come to expect that from a big budget film, sure. I mean, this is uh, thirty-eight million was the budget on this one. Yeah, so not outrageous, not but massive, but not small by any means. Right. Ooh, budget thirty-eight million, box office twenty-six million. Yeah, what's up with that? Ouch. I mean, when I went and saw this, they were playing it in like what the theater that I consider the closet. Oh. I mean, there was probably like, I don't know. 50 to 75 seats in there maybe mm. so it's, just, it's a tiny theater um 
And yeah, I was seeing a lot of people saying it's like, if you like movies like Overlord, go see it and tell people, tell other people to see it. And it's just like, ooh, it must not be doing well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know what's fucked up is the Nazis were doing shit like this. Yeah. Like they weren't resurrecting dead bodies because that's scientifically impossible. But they, I, they were probably fucking trying. Oh, I mean, it's it's uh, known that Hitler was like really into like the occult and uh, you know black magic and that type of shit. Whether or not that any any of that's real, it's it's irrelevant. The fact is, he was actually putting Nazi effort into researching the shit. Yeah. Um, and, and know, I mean, they wanted to create super soldiers. You know. Yeah, his his thousand year army. Yeah. Um, and that's actually how these rein, reincarnated or reanimated soldiers are described. It's like, oh, the Fuhrer's thousand-year army needs thousand-year soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like the like they said, the cast was great, the story was good, and uh, yeah, it, it all, by and large, it was all a very well done movie. It's just not horror. Yeah. Which was disappointing. Yeah, I expected more zombies, more zombie action, like people getting feasted on and yeah. that kind of thing. But yeah, more or less, it's, you know, you could have had the same movie and just had the serum give people super strength. Sure. And it wouldn't have been any different. Yeah. Um, I felt like the ending got a little cliche. Yeah. Um, I mean, I won't, I won't go into details and you know, give away spoilers, but yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean, though. Um, yeah. Do you think to say. <laughs> uh, in 2018, a year where Nazis are a thing again, <laughs> uh, do you think it was a coincidence that our main protagonist was a black man? Um, it's not do you think it was a coincidence, do you think it was a deliberate intention on the act on the part of the filmmakers? I mean it could have been. I mean it would it would not be a far fetched thing to assume. Yeah. Um I mean we're definitely getting more minority um protagonists nowadays. Yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't know how many um, black soldiers there were in World War Two. I mean, that were, I don't know if they were. Like I said, I'm not a big war film guy. I'm not any kind of war aficionado, so I don't really know much about it aside from just what I learned in school. But I don't know if they were still doing like black only companies back then. Oh yeah. I don't know either. Um, but Yeah, but it was just, it was, that was something that crossed my mind, especially considering there was, you know, one of these guys in this group is named Rosenfeld. Right. And, you know, the original Nazis were not so much with the killing of black people as the, as it was with the Jewish people. But right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it was, like I said, I don't know if it was intentional. It was just something that, came to mind and it's not a heavy handed thing if, if it was their intention, but no. Yeah. I mean, 
It's no secret that Nazis were not a fan of minorities. Well, yeah. <laughs> the whole Aryan race thing. Right. <laughs> um, I will say, like, as an action movie, you know, like we already said it's not really a horror movie, but as an action movie, it's really intense. It is. Like, from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, it, when they jump out of the plane and the camera's, like, just on uh, Boyce as he's falling and it's just, like, spinning around and doing all this crazy shit. Yeah. This film, like, it grabs you by the balls and doesn't let go. Yeah, I mean, that whole... I th- I feel like it really captured uh, the intensity of what it must have been like to be in a, in a, in a war zone. Yeah. Um, particularly, a, you know, a, an event like Normandy. Um, and uh, what was I going to say? I don't remember. Uh, one thing I did like, though, uh, it's just a small thing right at the beginning, is that uh, the the title card looked like an old 40s film. Yeah. Or, or old. I mean, when it opens, it's all like black and white and almost like sepia tone-ish. Mm-hmm. It's got that kind of grainy look of an old uh, World War II era film. Yeah, exactly. Um, I thought that was a nice touch. And it, yeah, me too. Just something right at the beginning, very... Um, minor it's just just those little little touches like that that kind of add to a movie i feel though the like you needed like the voiceover of like 1944 <laughs> a day to be remembered that would have been good but yeah i mean you know th- this being a horror podcast it's part of me wants to rate it as like lower because it's not really a horror movie but at the same time it's it's a very good movie and so I'm going to rate it just solely on its credentials, on its merit. Um, I'm going to give it an eight. If if you're going to it looking for zombie action and, you know, people, if you're expecting 28 days later or something with people getting eaten or destroyed, it's that's not it. Yeah. Keep, yeah. Keep in mind, absolutely, as a horror movie, it is completely underwhelming. Um, but, I mean... In, I think uh is it universal to put this out? Um Paramount. Paramount. Okay. Well, I think uh, that's uh on Paramount and whoever they hired to do marketing for this um that they marketed it. I th- they're trying to ride on the coattails of how popular horror is. Horror and zombies in particular. Right now. Yeah. Um and I I totally see that as evident, but um it, uh, yeah, it, it was just a, a bad move on their part because they should have just sold this as like a, um, kind of like a fantasy war movie, yeah, rather than horror. And like I said, even even tonally, it's not you know, it's not like I'm saying, oh, there's there's no action, there's no gore. Like tonally, it's not there's no, you know, there, yeah, there's moments of tension, but it's not in a horror way, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's you know more like somebody hiding from. Nazi soldiers. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, but yeah, so just like you said, based on its merit alone as a film, it is actually very well done. And um, yeah, I think an eight sounds fair. Cool. Neat. Yeah, I I recommend it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if like I said, you know, know what you're getting into, but I think it's a good movie and I would recommend it. Yeah, apparently it's tanking at the box office, so you'll probably be able to find <laughs> yeah. it on demand soon enough. Anyway, um, so that's going to do it, guys. Yep. 
That's 121 for you. In the books. In the butt. In the can. Also the butt. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we're going to be back with you in a couple weeks with a brand new episode. Yep. Where we're going to be talking about... Tales from the Hood, one and two. Oh, yeah. This is our uh, homage to Tales from the Hood. That's not the right word. No. It's a, I don't know. It's not a retrospective either. Why can't I think of the word? I don't know. Whatever. We're doing a Tales from the Hood movie <laughs> or uh, episode. episode. Um, yeah. Until then, Taylor, where can these lovely folks find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com as well as on their favorite podcast player. Uh, leave us a review on either iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Send us an email. Let us know you did. Tony will send you a free magnet. I will. I'll do it. I swear to God, I'll do it. I'm going to do it so hard. Uh, go follow us on Facebook and Instagram as Grave Plot Podcast. Join our Facebook group, The Graveyard. Follow us on Twitter as Grave underscore plot. And, of course, check out patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast for exclusive content. Yeah, and don't forget about the Grave Plot Film Fest, guys. February 2nd in Seattle, Washington. Um, at the Arc Lodge Cinema. Graveplotfilmfest.com. Get your tickets now. They're going fast. <laughs> All right, guys. So until next time, I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all little dead inside. <laughs> yeah. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Uh-huh. Ah!